Good afternoon. Good afternoon and greetings um, from from here, from somewhere. Greetings from somewhere to you, so that you know that greetings befell you today. Um, let greetings into your life. Don't dissuade yourself from accepting greetings. Believe in greetings. Believe in closings. Accept closings. Deny closings. Deny greetings, too, if you want. Accept or deny a greeting. Um, so, and I say that to say that um, the time allotment for the time that I'm speaking on is just about up. Because I guess I wanted to sound like purred happily. That's why I wanted to say the reason that I say, the, and the reason is for saying the thing that I said was that. And um, just don't go changing. Don't go changing ever is a caveat I like to add on to don't go changing. Don't go changing ever. Um, but you're like everybody has a different way of filtering bullshit. Everybody has a different way of deciding what's true and what isn't, you know? Like, people really do. And they, uh, like, information goes into, gets caught up in people's brains in different ways. And, I don't know, it seems like everybody has a different way of deciding that thing's true and that thing's not. Because any one piece of information, say from the media or anywhere, just from a person, interpersonal statements that you hear from other people, you have different ways of deciding what's true and what's false. I don't really know what other people's are. I don't even know that I'd be able to describe what mine is. And I'm like, oh, that's false and that's true. It's just that everybody has a different way. But your mind kind of works like your stomach does, really, that you digest a you digest a statement. You digest a statement the same way that you digest food, like the same way that food goes in to your stomach, and then you your stomach dissolves it and then takes away all the nutrients by dissolving it and then sends the nutrients to the parts of the body that it needs to. But like, uh, like if bad things go into your body, like alcohol, then your liver has to filter out the, the alcohol or at least a good portion of it. But like stuff that isn't good for you, your body gets rid of. And I th I'd say the same thing kind of works for your mind, but in a, in a true false sense. Your mind does that. It filters out what's bad for your mind. Like it filters out poisonous ideas because you have poisonous ideas. You have poisonous ideas, but you have like, you have stuff that's bad for your body that's going to give you sickness, stuff that you eat. And, um, Ideas can poison you in a similar way, or ideas can kind of be like diseases for your mind. You can get mentally ill off of the wrong ideas and that kind of thing. And some people are mentally ill, like they just have a bad, like they're just in poor health in their mind. And, and so like maybe somebody who's mentally ill is just more affected by lots of ideas or they're not. I don't know, like they take, they take in too many bad ideas and like keep them, keep them around. But you're, so it's like if you eat an apple, your body, your body just destroys the definition of that apple, like the shape of it in 
reality. It's apple shaped, but like it has to be, it has to be an apple to meet the definition of an apple. It has to be apple shaped, whatever, come from a tree, whatever are the four bullet points for me, criteria for being an apple or, or something. But like, uh, it's, it's an apple. And then at some point it, the definition of apple becomes like, if you're comparing it to a pear, there's a point at which it becomes a pear and a point at which it's an apple. Like, I guess you could make a pear apple hybrid. And I would say that that's something like the fusing of a, that's like a multiplication of a pear and an apple. I mean, if somebody made, created this fruit, this like, uh, like it's a, um, mass produced thing the same way apples and pears are not mass produced, but I mean, like it's, it's available. Like we invest a lot in a, half apple half pear tree i'm just saying we get to the point that our we have a half apple half pear product that's like a multiplication of a i mean that's a hybrid is what you'd call it so i'm saying a hybrid is like a product you shouldn't think of a hybrid as a sum or an addition of the two components um that's the point i'm making but so you eat an apple and you just totally destroy the dignity of that apple like you uh like because its definition is gone is gone you eat you dissolve it into just what it what it's made out of and uh you just use it for your own purposes to the point that it's not an apple anymore what comes out the other end is not an apple you know you totally destroy that apple by eating it and it's just like it's start but your stomach is what dissolves it and uh you do you your mind does that like there's an equivalent uh mental for there's an equivalent mental set of processes for like body processes but in in a lot of cases like your the mental side of it is like half of half of the importance of what you're you're doing i guess is kind of what i'm saying but like I would make the comparison that conservatives are more like they'll go more into the mind or something like they're more interested in the imagination or its capacity or what you can imagine, what you can pretend is true sometimes, or just like what, what you could predict to be true in order to get yourself ahead in, in a competitive sense. Like, but it kind of involves going further into your own, your own imagination to harness the power of your own creativity or, uh, figuring out other people's intentions or just understanding creativity at the level of the individual of a country rather than your own individual imagination, because it's like a country has its own imagination wherein it has its own philosophies, like, uh, which we, which we carry out politically. And so I make the compare, I've said before, like conservatives are, um, about the mind and liberals are about the body, but the body is more, the body is more of like a mechanical intelligence. The body, that body is just, you know, how the body gets the body's just a mechanical intelligence because knowing all of the inner workings of a body is like knowing all the inner workings of a car, but it takes a different kind of intelligence. Um, like knowing about the body, but be knowing about the body would also be the same as knowing about classifying your brain. I'm just saying that it's significant that within one body is your brain and then your body, like the stomach processes for breaking down food. Yet there's kind of a duality between your mental state and your physical state, right? 
uh, which is kind of like a subjective objective thing, but it's like you can kind of see that duality just in the body versus the mind. And, and so you eat an apple and you like break it down into all its nutrients, whatever is good for you. Your body is like harnesses the potential of that apple, like just totally seizes on that apple's potential. And then, uh, like takes all of its resources. Like it, like if that apple was a village, it's like your body just surrounds the village and burns it down and then takes, kills all of its women and children and uh, it takes all of its resources. I mean, if it, if it takes over the village or whatever, I mean, your body is, your body took over, your body found a way to conquer apple. I mean, humans conquer apples, right? They found a way to conquer apples as a species and to the point that we're like, yeah, we can get an apple whenever we want. One, they just fall into our hands. We have these trees out here and we just, we just take the apples. Like they don't even, trees don't even put up a fight. Like their pacifist way of life is not, has not helped them out. But like, that's, you'd say that for all plants, plants are just so pacifist, you know, they don't, they don't defend themselves at all. Um, and so, uh, pacifist arguments, there's, you can, you can argue for a pacifist way of life and you would be like a plant, you know, plants don't, plant doesn't put up a fight, right? Same as an apple, but like, so it's easy to conquer apples as humanity, especially when, the, when we're in the business of eating things. Uh, and that's just something that we're going to do anyways, find anything that we can eat. But like, obviously at this point, humanity is just like, well, we conquered chickens, really. We just, that's the same thing as apples for us at this point. So it gets a little bit more horrific and um, like, what are we doing? Or, or what do you say? I don't know. Just gets more horrific at the point that you're like, oh, we conquered chickens because chickens are a bit more intelligent or than than plants uh because a chicken could does fight back and doesn't want to get killed and you recognize that and you can tell that by its mindset that it runs away when you try to catch it to kill it or whatever but um so it's like a little darker that's what i'm saying that we conquer chickens as opposed to apples but like so to the point that it would sound ridiculous for anybody to make the comparison that eating and dissolving an apple is like taking over a village and harnessing its resources. But, uh, so would it be more applicable than for chickens to make that analogy? Like you take over, you eat a chicken and, uh, so well, like you kill a chicken, but you probably kill it before you eat it. Apple is a lot. Well, no apple is an apple alive while you eat it. No, it's probably dead it's not living, whatever it's living. It's not living by the time it's off the tree. Is that the same as killing it? I mean, you separate it from its, it's relative, it's relative to the rest of the tree. You separate it from its, um, connective forces, things that it's connected to all the things that give it all of its strength. Like an apple is getting a lot more strength attached to a tree than just sitting around. Um, but you you destroy that apple and then like some of the apple you just you just it becomes a waste for you like it becomes poop and that's what happens to some of the apple so you can really understand there how out the other end what 
it is no longer an apple. Like whatever it used to be, it's transformed into something so much worse. Uh, but that's just the degree to which you uncompromise, just you, um, your insensitivity toward apples. That's the degree to which you didn't care about destroying the integrity of an apple. Is that you just shit it out and then it's like, it didn't matter what it even began as. You have no remorse. You have no, you have no sympathy for apples. You might have relatively more sympathy for a chicken, but like, but obviously, obviously that's a whole thing. There's all these people I hear about, I guess, I guess there's all these people that like don't uh, eat meat or something that they don't, they would avoid eating a chicken because they, they don't do that. But there's this whole group of people out there. Um, and I don't, most, most people just forget what their name even is. I don't know what they even are, but they, uh, there's, there's people out there that don't eat chickens for, for those very reasons, because a chicken is more, um, independent than an apple and therefore is like capable of more of making its own decisions. And so those people get afraid about how close a chicken is to a person because that's something they wouldn't be afraid about for a plant as much. And, uh, but I mean, why not go further? Why not be like, well, plants are living. They, they harm, they suck in water and sunlight and shit like that in order to survive. They're like a surviving breathing thing, sort of as a plant. I mean, I guess, I guess it's a surviving thing. And, uh, but like, why, why not just go into your fear about a plant being like a human being and stop eating plants, just stop eating things altogether. Or, uh, what do you eat if you're not a lot, if you make it so that you feel really sensitive to the plight of, a pl of all plants so that you can't even eat them because you're like, Oh, plants are people too. If you're like plants are people too, what do you eat at that point? Like, uh, spores, asexual barnacles or something like, I don't know, coral. Do you just, I'm a coral eater, coralitarian. I'm just like a, hmm. Hmm. Well, uh, I guess maybe you just eat fungi or something like stuff that doesn't reproduce. I'm not really sure, but they're probably, it's probably difficult to live that way. But anyways, here's the point that I'm making you dissolve that apple and you take it away, but you do the same thing in your mind, uh, equivalently sort of with words, like words are like the food of the food of, uh, your brain food for your brain. Words are the food. You know what I mean? Words are food. Uh, but they're like, uh, I mean, they're like equivalent to food for your mental state as opposed to your, for equivalent to your physical state for physical food. And, uh, and words have borders around them the same way that an apple does. And what you do to a statement that goes into your brain, it, you dissolve it. You, that's where it gets dissolved. That's where you break down the borders of the words so that it's, um, comprehensible to you. But like everybody has a different way of evaluating what's true and what's false. And some words, some statements that arrive at your door, like that, that go in, like are an input to you that you hear, you don't like them. And so they're just, they become refuse to you. But I'd say that the waste 
uh, the excretory system of the brain is is like forgetting things. Like forgetting is the equivalent to waste because you forget something that's just like you're you're done with it. That's you shitting it out the other end. Like if it went into your brain at all, um, because if it goes, if it's all. If you forget about it, then it's no longer anything you process. But like it, so if you really forgot about it, if you really forgot about it, then it's just like it's gone. But you're you're done. There's no more use for the for the things that you forgot, the things that you actually forgot. It's just that you um, you also have a subconscious, and you have a subconscious, and in your subconscious like that would be the place for things that you don't recognize consciously but are still important to you are still part of um what you're doing in life and carl Jung, for example a guy that wrote a lot of books in the 50s i think but he's just like he's a well-renowned philosopher and he's getting a lot of traction recently there's lots of people that are interested in things he said uh, more recently. I mean, they've always sort of been interested, but like Carl Jung is, I think for a long time is seen as a controversial figure and still is because you wouldn't, um, in a lot of cases, you wouldn't take what he said at face value. And there's lots of people that just don't like the, he kind of speaks symbolically about a lot of things, but he has a lot to say about the, he has a lot to say about the subconscious, that the subconscious is like a, is a bastion. What do you say? It's like a boon place. It's a, it's an environment that foments symbolism and like your subconscious is the symbolism side of you, but it, it's in, it lies in contrast to your consciousness, um, where your consciousness is you just practically recognizing things around you, understanding the physical side of life, just speaking in practical words to people i mean it's just like definition based uh acknowledge you you acknowledge definitions in the consciousness side of things you you acknowledge constructs um for the for the definitional things that they are rather than that you rather than that you would like of think about dissolving the definitions of a construct to to understand what's beyond it or understand like the what a building represents rather than just the construction the building itself what you see in a building like um so consciousness is is finite recognition of finite things i would say and then your subconsciousness is representative of it's it recognizes the infinite things but like long story short your subconscious is what um it might house a lot of ideas that you don't even know it's housing is kind of what Carl Jung would say about it. But those kinds of things show up in your dreams. But like that's what uh, your dreams are kind of meant to communicate your subconscious. And then if you want to go further, if you want to say that dreams are important, which I'm I'm in the camp that dreams are important. I think you can learn. I think you learn something from your dreams. I think they're representative to you of something and you should you should try to interpret a dream that you had to figure it out. But like in order to interpret a dream, you kind of have to communicate it in a symbolic sense or understand the figures in your dream to be representations rather than uh, just physical objects because you understand it to be a physical object because they don't take on the same, the things you say in, see in a dream don't have the same meaning as they would in the practical world is, uh, is part of what I'm saying. But 
that's the difference between your subconscious and your conscious recognition of things. Like your subconscious or a more back in your mind recognition of things is more, um, it, it would naturally, it's like you have a subconscious that naturally evaluates things to be representational as opposed to, um, like what's the opposite of representational? I'm just saying like, um, yeah, what, let me think about that. As long as, as long as I'm just speaking for an hour, what is the opposite of representational specifically? Well, let me finish my point first and then I'll, then I'll do that. Um, so like you have a subconscious and then you speak your subconscious through like, um, that would be if you, if you find dreams important, you might be in the business of saying your subconscious is communicated through dreams. And then you can figure out what your subconscious is telling you. If you interpret a dream accurately, it's just difficult to interpret a dream since everything is, it's all done in a different, like a inverse language. It's done in an inverse language to regular language, to practical physical language. It's inverse, like the same way subjectivity is basically an inverse of objectivity. It's like an inside out way of doing things, but is, is your subconscious language or a representational language? Like something that's representational is inside out of whatever the opposite of representational is, but like infinite is kind of like the inside out of finiteness, the same way that, um, the same way that a bunch of words in one language is like the inside out of one word like infinite possible words in one language is the inside out of one idea translated into infinite possible languages. Um, that's like the inside out, but that's kind of the, that's representation is one idea translated into infinite languages or like one idea across time, really, so to speak, uh, across many languages. That's representation, but the opposite of that is that idea in competition with all of the words in one language, you know, because it can be in competition if it's, if you're considering all the words in a language, all of those words are in competition. It, like every English word, those words can be, would be seen as in competition to each other because they all have different definitions and different values. And so like have different statuses, but if it's one word in every single language, it's that word has the same status no matter what. And so there is no competition involved. And uh, so that's like representation is a lack of, lack of competition. Eh, but it's hard to, it's hard to describe why that would, Hard to attach um, the idea of competition to like your subconscious communication of representational images and dreams. But um, so like your subconscious, so I'm not going to go into that. That's like a belief that somebody who is more interested, like probably a conservative would be more likely to accept that your dreams would tell you something. But I know there's a lot of people that are, that would just say like your dreams are useless. Um, and so you have a subconscious and you wouldn't, um, I'm trying to make this a live experience so that I don't walk away when I f feel a lull coming on or like I don't, uh, I don't walk away when I feel like I have to restart my talking. I just have to, I want to make it a live experience so that I'm good at talking the entire way through without pausing. And, um, yeah, so you just have to, re you have to record your when you stop to do something in that case, 
because I feel like I can get back on the right train of thought when I stop talking and then start again, but I need to, it needs to be live and I need to not edit anything out. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make it so that I don't edit anything. So that was me. I just recorded myself drinking coffee instead of like, I don't pause to drink it because, um, because this is just a raw, just raw experience. Like if I'm drinking coffee, I recorded it like, whoa, I can't believe he just recorded himself drinking coffee. That was really insane is what everybody's going to start saying. Like people are going to start talking to each other. Like I was listening to this guy's podcast and he uh, drank coffee while just it was running. He's just kept the tape running and uh, you could hear him drinking it. Yeah, you could hear him. And like people are just, the excitement is going to build so much that um, like seeing it, it's just going to be like a volcano erupting. It's going to be goddamn Mount Vesuvius in this bitch. And um, there's nothing I can do to prevent that. There's, you can't mitigate Mount Vesuvius. That's the whole point. It's the whole point of that story. There really wasn't any mitigating Mount Vesuvius, I wouldn't say. If you took away that Mount Vesuvius was like mitigated in any way from the Vesuvius destroys Pompeii story, Vesuvius beat Pompeii. Okay. Let's just let's just set the record straight. Like there's someone like LeBron is probably the greatest player of basketball player of all time. Let's be real. Like he's the greatest of all time. Okay, great. Begrudgingly, I say this. I'm not a LeBron fan. He's the greatest basketball player of all time. Let's set the record straight. Mount Vesuvius beat Pompeii. Okay, Pompeii didn't didn't win that battle. Um, and also to the point that anytime you like. If you have a story of Pompeii at this point, all of the citizens are portrayed as idiots. Like, you know how how much of an idiot you are, like, if you're proven to, uh, like, the ignorance, you know? It's automatic you were punished for your ignorance. And so any any depiction of a Pompeii citizen at this point, even though they could have been the well-meaning, intelligent people just doing their best, like, got really unlucky that Mount Vesuvius tarnished i mean just uh ran over their entire village with lava um and whatever else pumice and you know how volcanoes get it's not just it's not just lava with the volcano it's not just lava there is rocks there's pumice there's um and that's it there's molten magma there's magma lava there's pieces of the just pieces of the mountain really um, sometimes the whole mountain just cascades onto your village because like a side of the mountain blew out. I think that's what happened with St. Helens, Helens and, um, but like Vesuvius totally destroyed Pompeii and the, to the point that any depiction of the citizens at this point is like, well, they were, they were idiots because they should have foreseen, because they should have foreseen that Vesuvius was going to, uh, make them their bitch like they should have known but you know what they they didn't and so they're ignorant for as long as anybody knows and you're like oh pompeii that was stupid of them but like that could be anybody that's the point i'm making anybody anybody could be unlucky enough for some tragic event like that to happen and then and then your death is just remembered as ignorance for 
humanity for the rest of the time anybody remembers it like you can just die in an embarrassing way you know and like that just sucks for you forever or whatever it can and that can happen to anybody but like uh tragedy is sort of like an embarrassing death a little bit like i i mean i don't want to be the one to bring that up but it's sort of true like a tragedy tragedy is a little embarrassing of a death (laughs) it's more embarrassing because it's like oh it's like you um before a tragedy kills you you will have all these hopes dreams and aspirations like you're like any regular person and um then all of us then they're taken away from you as if like god is laughing at you and so then it kind of looks like you were silly to think you were important the entire time or like i don't know if a tragedy kills you you don't want to be buried in mount vesuvius's lava i don't think but remains to be seen i don't know does anybody interview one of those pompeii people that was a number of that was probably more than a thousand years ago so i don't think so um i wonder if there were any survivors well yeah there are probably people in the outskirts of the city that just died of like pumice lung cancer a few years later you know it's probably a toxic environment well i mean does a volcano produce a toxic environment like a world trade center collapse would probably the toxins are all natural from a volcano because volcanoes are so naturally occurring as well as uh volcanic eruptions and so what's the point of what i'm saying hmm i was saying vesuvius vesuvius rolled on over pompeii ah shit i don't remember and and i'm making this a live experience Okay, so I was saying, like, oh, the excitement... Oh, I was like, the excitement is going to be like a volcanic eruption. The excitement that's going to build for uh, people tuning into the fact that I recorded myself drinking coffee. Um, that's going to be like a snowball rolling down a hill that's, um, you know, like in that commercial where it rolls down the mountain and takes out that car. It takes out the car that's probably the enemy of the car commercials car like it's probably like a dodge that got taken out and it's a ford commercial or something um but the energy that's going to build is going to be um uncompromising and destructive and uh for and that's what kind of energy i elicit with my speaking tones with my speaking tones and my speaking words my talking voices and my um sound sound vocalizations that's the kind of energy that i produce and i magnitudinally distribute through okay um so just just people are going to get excited because i uh okay whatever i was talking about was so i think i'm done talking about the dreams and um we're just oh i really need to get back on track because people are gonna people are gonna leave people are gonna leave the radio and i have to make it a live experience oh my god i can't pause oh my god oh no fight or flight fight or flight right now Oh, hopefully something weird happens. So, uh, so something I have, takes my attention away that I 
Um, anyway, so your subconscious and your consciousness, your subconscious, your consciousness. So I'm saying that um, you have a, it's not so simple as that you forget things is the point that I'm making. It's like sometimes you might try to forget something, but it's like such a meaningful, you receive such a meaningful statement that it doesn't go away or it's something you need to keep processing. Some statements from people are so important or like hit you in such a way that you you like never you just keep processing them forever and ever you know there's like things you remember that somebody said that you just bring up over and over and over again and uh so there's some things that just exist with you but like you're so if you believe in the importance of dreams you would say that dreams can tell you about your subconscious and like alert you to problems that you have in your life that are like because uh that's kind of what would cause you anxiety is stuff that's in your subconscious stuff that you're not able to process or communicate to yourself that's causing you problems it's like stuff that you can't recognize consciously and uh so there's something to be said about like figuring out what is in your what's going on in your subconscious but it's kind of like the dynamic between consciousness and subconsciousness is the same as like constructs versus what's beyond the what's beyond the construct and so you would say like america we go through the pandemic and it alerts us to constructs in our society and our relationships and whatever like work that we're doing anything government or policing or like it kind of we're alerted to constructs at the point that we have to at the point that we have to um evaluate them like take them more seriously or like whatever it is that we're quote unquote we have to not ignore anymore like there's things we've been ignoring for too long like those are things that would exist in your country as a country those are things that would exist in your country subconscious that it's like um they present themselves to you you know things in your subconscious present themselves to you it's just that like you don't have the means by which to understand what's important about it because it's just like because your consciousness consciousness covers it up so much but like consciousness covering things up is uh is like a road that gets paved over nature really it's like a road that automates uh or evens out all of the differences in nature all of the fluctuations of it with like a paved road that makes it easy for you so that everybody so that the process is automated everybody can just go over that road easily rather than worry about rather than having to comprehend differences in nature along their path so that they have to uh so that they have to calibrate where they're walking or where they're driving you know over ridges and stuff a road automates it so that you're makes it even over over nature but like a road is sort of antithetical to nature like it's unnatural right anything that's automated though is unnatural you would in like i would say like anything that has right angles like a real a square tall building is just like an unnatural instance when you if you compare it to nature but that's what consciousness is is like the square like a city civilization like a big city where everything is pavement and uh buildings and stuff like that sits in contrast to nature where nature or just um like i'd say nature is more like infiniteness but constructs and 
consciousness deals more with finiteness, but your recognition of finite things. But like you can recognize something that's finite when it is more, when it's an even set of angles, you know, you understand its finiteness better the more it's just a square or something or, but like, but you can have a circle that also closes off borders. Like a circle can be a border and a circle is infinite. So it's like, uh, it's not like everything is that obviously finite in terms of what you're evaluating consciously but like there's your conscious and your subconscious and and so you're so and i'm just saying like consciousness i like to put everything in the two categories and i feel like you can like ultimately they a lot of things maybe everything has its proper place in either finiteness or infiniteness but you're uh what I'm saying is if you just evaluated things at their pure opposites, like, yeah, like full and empty, but one of them is, if you evaluated things at their full opposites, you would find that one of them has to fall in um, finiteness and one of them has to fall in infiniteness, but one of them has to, it's the same as one of them has to be objective and one of them has to be subjective. Uh, if you take a pair of opposites, like that's what you would find. But it's, so I like to... I like to evaluate something as its pair of opposites and then put one in finiteness and one in infiniteness. But like consciousness is finite, subconscious is infinite, but it's more, it's subjective, like it goes further into your mind. It's just like whatever's further back in there. And so your subconscious is, there's like an organization to it. And whatever that organization is, it's like what's going to determine your truth, falseness, mechanisms that root out falseness, get rid of falseness, and accept true things. And um, so I'm saying that your, like, the excretory system of the brain is, like, um, I'm going to pause this. I'm actually going to pause this. I really apologize. I didn't make it entirely. I mean, it's not live because this isn't, this isn't being, you're not hearing this as it's recorded. But, um, oh, shit, my heat came on, and now that's in the background of the sound. So I have to pause it for that. Uh, your subconsciousness, yeah, but I'm saying that your, so you receive words as inputs, and then basically you, you have to, trans, you transform yourself through words that you receive as inputs. Uh, you become... You become something else through the words that you receive. Like mentally, you take on new mental states based on the ideas that you're receiving from from whoever, uh, from lots of different people, and you receive you receive lots of different perspectives now, more so than you would have been able to uh, 40 years ago. You just receive you receive lots of different flavors of ideas because because the internet just brings all of them to you. And um, so it's like, so subconsciously, so you receive all these inputs, you receive a word, like a word has borders, but it's like, uh, I'm saying it's basically, it has physical borders, but it has to, um, that's like how it travels to you is because it has a border. Like, that's how somebody says it to you. Um, that's how somebody says an idea to you is they have to say it in these bordered instances. They have to say them in words because otherwise they wouldn't be able to, but it's just like you hearing it 
from somebody else, you hearing a word or or anything is you um, like uh, is like you understanding the idea because that's kind of how it gets to travel. It's like it's it's like the borders around a word that that we define words the way that we do. We give we allot them one space, one location, one position, one definition. We allot every word. We prescribe every word borders for whatever its definition is, and um, that's what we do. That's what we do, and uh, that's that's what happens. And like us doing that, it allows us to speak in the word. Like the words get to travel outside of ourselves, but like the borders around it are the vessel in which it travels from somebody's lips to your ears so to speak but like uh because it should just be because the idea being described is is infinite really um it's infinite and then you make it finite to say it but like anything that gets to exist in reality or gets to be said has to be finite like that like like reality has to deal in borders it's just that at the point that a word reaches your ears and goes into your brain that you're like comprehending it and processing it that's you like breaking down the borders and making it back into an infinite idea like because the borders are surrounding an infinite instance but it's like uh like that is um that's the way that they get sent you know they get sent in this like infinite finite thing but it's like it borders surrounding a an idea is how you have to is how you send these things but like that's um that's what an apple is it's like borders around um it's kind of like borders around an idea that your body uses the the full extent of the idea of it when you um, use its resources, and like you use the full extent of the idea of it really. And because at the point that's what your brain is capable of doing, or like that's what your mind that's what's so important and powerful about your mind is that it's kind of like um, it gets to process any input or any like idea and so you um, use the English language to communicate the ideas you want and the English language is like a um, it's like a well well constructed machine like it's not perfect but it is it gets the job done the English language it's a great language and I mean I guess it's good enough that the rest of the world also wants to use it like the rest of the world finds it to be the best machine for uh for communicating but it's like a machine for communicating because it sets up the words in certain formats that are um characteristic of the english language like in english the way that we say sentences is different from the way that spanish sentences are the syntax of it or whatever syntax is the right word um just the order and the structure of sentences the structure is different in english than will be in any other language so like english has a specific structure along with just the along with just the words it, itself but you can you can manipulate the language if you're good at it you can manipulate it into um like the structure of it you can substitute in a word here for a different word if like and on the fly if you're fast at it, if you're if you know enough about the language like if you are uh proficient at the machine that is the language because the language is like a machine and it's not perfect like it uh it's not a perfect machine because you could conceivably come up with a better language but there's like better because you're just trying to communicate infiniteness but any language you come up with will be 
a finite will be a compromise on infiniteness um and so therefore it's not like the english language is perfect but when you consider everything that you can do with it like when you consider all the things you're able to point out and that you can shift between topics really easily like you can talk about physics and then you can just start talking about uh mathematics or whatever you can talk about nature or gardening or like um the utility of the language is uh, off the charts it's a it's fantastic language but uh inevitably in the future we'll replace it with an even better one uh like something that's more telepathic but something something that's more telepathic like uh is um i mean that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff that elon musk is talking about is that like we can we could eventually do away with language but we will do away with language because we'll because we're in the process of making more efficient languages really but we'll get to one that's like communicates infiniteness more because english is still drenched in finiteness it's only finiteness and so it is therefore like if you consider it if you consider the capacity for language english is sort of primitive like if you consider all that you can do with language english is sort of primitive because it's just because it's still very everything it does is finite um and I don't know that you wouldn't ever be able to communicate the full extent of infiniteness is like the point of it being infinite. Like there's uh, there's no, there's no limit to what can be produced, like what somebody can imagine a car to be. And so there's infinite kinds of cars, you know, that could be made like an author of a authors of books make all kinds of new um, scenarios that are like a new fictitious world but like an author of a book can make his own language there's also like infinite languages you can make like uh whoever like c.s lewis if he made the orc language whoever made the orc language like somebody's like oh there's a first of all an orc is a fake is fake orcs are so fake they aren't they're just they're never even I hate hanging out with orcs. They're just so fake. They have the longest nails and they get them done so ostentatiously. Do orcs and uh like in a fake way, they're so fake and but like orcs that's a fictitious character alone. So somebody made up an orc. You can make up whatever creature you want, whatever book. And also they made up I think it was C.S. Lewis, but I could be wrong. I don't really know. Made up an, a whole language that orcs speak. They're like, oh, this is what orcs speak. But he just made up a language for them. And really, it's that you can make up any language. There's infinite possible languages, not just, not, uh, and it's not just that there's infinite possible, like, elements in one. There's not just infinite possible cars. There's infinite possible, uh, what, there's like one car in infinite ways of talking about it um but that's like uh but fuck that so there's infinite possible languages but like uh language you wouldn't ever be able to come up with a language that's like oh it's infinite you reached infinity i think you can only come up with languages that are relatively more infinite but like english is relatively more infinite than uh greek or latin because it's more specific and more intelligent probably so but like a more specific and more intelligent the importance of that is that there's more stopping points within the language there's more points there's more locations there's more words but there's it's more specified is is the reason for that but there's more more stopping points as you recognizing things at a relatively more infinite level than 
uh you know you get more into the depths of infinity the if you're if you're reaching the point where you communicate any infinitesimal within an within like a spectrum or something within a continuum within a yeah within like a closed interval or something um that you communicate any or on a line that you communicate every single infinitesimal is like you're you're uh getting closer to infinity but you can never get there because it's always it's always goes further so you can't like this is the language this is the best language possible i don't think you can do that um because the ideas you communicate are are ultimately infinite but they you have to compromise to communicate and so like that's just that's just the state of things that we're living in you have to um you have to speak in terms of these finite instances so like the english language it's just it's like a giant it's like a giant big it's like a giant big machine it's like a big giant machine even it's like a big large machine it's a large big machine i'll do you that too it's a big machine that here it is like wow that's it's a I'm saying that the English language is like this big complex machine and the more that you have like a mechanical intelligence of the way that the machine works is the better that you can manipulate the language really because you can be like oh there's this lever that does this like uh, because it, you can substitute words in and out of it in and out of like the sentence structures that you use in English and it's so just it works really well because it it allows you to communicate all the necessary things plus more like you get everything you need with it everything you need to say plus so many more things like there's just like there's there's uh there's a lot it's like you got the supreme the deluxe package with it because it allows it has these frivolous things that you can do with it you could just do it it allows for a lot of things it's a great machine for uh, that we use for our communication and like and so it works well it gets the job done you get to say you can say everything you want really but it's only like if you made a better machine that's the only point at which you'd realize that you have more things you want to say because you don't even you're oblivious to the things that you can't communicate that you would want to say it's just they aren't they don't exist in speakable instances for you so you're you're oblivious like you're oblivious you're oblivious to what you can't acknowledge and you can only acknowledge like definitions really you can only acknowledge words like you you think in words for the most part. I mean, you think in something that's more fluid, that it's like uh, you can think in ideas and thoughts that are comprehensive of a lot of words, you know, because that's kind of what your mind does. That's that's like why, that's explanation to me for why your mind is infinite, but that's more about your subconscious, that your subconscious speaks in representational instances. Your subconscious is able to just recognize a point or like a word like, formulation and then recognize all these ideas related to it but they get really convoluted like they're um they're they're entangled together they're too it's hard to extricate extricate the ideas like they're all entangled together at one point more so in your mind because it's just like 
uh, you would have to do some disentangling to to recognize the separate values of every word that's related to, but like related to the point that you're thinking about. Like if you're thinking about formulation in your mind, it's like already related to all these other ideas. Like depending on depending on what your vocabulary is, you're like what how interested you are in speaking things, like how verbal you are. Depending on how verbal you are, you're like you can see how one word is related to all these other words, but that's just because it occupies a place in your mind that is a juxtaposition of, it's like a crossroads for all these other ideas. It's like a point that's a, it's a juxtaposition of all these other ideas because you, because you need to relate other ideas to other ideas to understand them better. I mean, it depends on if you're in the business of trying to understand ideas better, but like you're, um, there one word is just at the juxtaposition of all these other ideas is its location the same way that Chicago Illinois has one location but is that location is not just definitive of the point Chicago it is also defined by every every thing that it's related to like everything that it's a radius of like every every surrounding location is also decides that location it isn't so there's like an inside out thing to that uh factor where it's like chicago is definitive not just of the point but also of the lack of the point and that lack of points relationship to every single other point that we've defined on the surrounding land like uh um if you know if you know what i'm talking about like but your but words are I'm saying that it you can't separate that a word is related to all these things because everything it's related to is just as much defining of it as its one definition. Like everything it's related to, its exact position as the juxtaposition of all relational instances is like just as much definitive of it. But it, it would be the same thing to say that there's it's one defines a thing and infinity defines a thing or that... Uh, objectivity defines a thing while at the same time subjectivity defines a thing like it's kind of it's a duality like that um for the position of a word in your mind and you so like you hear all these words and then you everybody has a different way of saying what's true and what's false but it's like everybody has a way of organizing words differently in their mind and like maybe your ability to communicate is based on how well you organize things because if you yeah because you can position a word in your mind and it's like inaccurate you know you can make it inaccurate like it's at the it's at the wrong crossroads or something like you're saying it's related to these ideas just based on your understanding of it because you don't understand words like entirely but you don't understand them entirely because that's how they come to you is as an unformed like not fully developed idea because that's what it comes to you as that as a definitional instance of the word because what people are saying they're like if somebody is talking about the the trees like the orange trees are uh, in full bloom this year and there uh, there's oranges so be prepared get your orange baskets and uh, have a make a day of it or something if somebody tells you to make a day of it, like go to the orange orchard and just get all the oranges possible, they're talking about oranges. Um, they're talking about orange, like a manifestation of 
oranges, like specifically oranges in this one grove that they're telling you to go to, like when there's oranges all over the world, but they're like, that doesn't capture the full idea of an orange and orange isn't a good example because you don't recognize right away that right away that there's lots of different breeds of oranges. There's lots of different apples, you know, like, uh, if somebody talks about an apple, they're like, go to this apple tree and pick these apples. That's one specific breed of apple, one manifestation of it. And so you can't speak the entire symbolic like existence of an apple just by referencing one that exists in reality. And uh, so then that's what words come to you as. It's just as like an un, not fully formed idea, but like uh, you, you accrue all these manifestations, like all these instances, reference points during your life of an apple so that you build it. Like in the more of them that you receive is the more that you can understand it as a representation, you know. And uh, that's the way that you build it in your mind. But the more that you understand it as a representation is the more that you understand its exact location as like the crossroads of other ideas. You know, you understand the more data that you receive is the more that you can place it accurately so that you have a more well-organized system of all the words in your mind. And um, yeah, you need to you need to receive more data so that you understand where it's where it's located, because there's like a. I, I don't know, I guess I'm saying it's like there's a there's a way that it's supposed to be ordered. It's just that, and it's not linear. It's not like on a line. They're all, uh, it would be on a plane or in a, like three-dimensional, you know. It would be a really complex way of ordering these things because, uh, because that's how it exists. Like if you could order all the words. I'm just saying there's like a, there's, that's an infinite way of ordering things as opposed to a finite way. Like you can, you can order things finitely just alphabetically, you know, if you just place them in some order or, uh, cause that's kind of an arbitrary way of ordering, but like an important, like you can number all of the apples or something. You could number all of the, um, all of the grocery stores you could number all of them. That's like a, that's a way of ordering them, but that's not a, that's a f more finite way of ordering them. That's a way of counting, you know, it's a more counting way of doing it, but there's like an infinite way of ordering. And that would look something like the way that all cities are related to each other on a map of the United States, but that they're like, that they have a location that they have to be, even if they weren't there, like, uh, yeah, like if Kansas City, Missouri wasn't there, then it just doesn't have a name, you know? If it's not there, it doesn't have a name, but you receive more words so that you receive more points. So it's like important to have the point at all, but the more data you receive, the more manifestations of it that you understand that like people talk about different ones so that you can understand more the full extent of the idea. The more that you get those, the more exactly you can place the point, the more accurately you can place it. And, uh, but it helps to just have lots of points probably, because that's probably another way of understanding it is like, cause that wouldn't be the only way of, uh, knowing what is the way to organize things in your mind like there'd be lots of ways of doing it but and everybody organizes it differently and so maybe your ability to communicate is predicated on your organization of definitions in your mind like in an infinite space like uh so so the words go into your brain or whatever and you dissolve the borders of it you rob it of its definition 
and uh, then you break it down to like its idea, like what characteristics compose it because words are, they're composed of different ideas. And so then you can, like the more that you break it down, the more that you can see what characteristics it's related to also, the more that you, if you process it entirely, like some some people might end up being intelligent just because they process 100% of a word rather like in comparison to other people who don't process the whole word or like stop at one characteristic of it or just take it literal that would be like taking it literally taking words literally would just be like you don't harness the resources of a word you don't dissolve it and then use the resources for yourself you don't take away characteristics that you can uh, use to associate that word to other words or like if you don't you don't find that informational side of things important then you would take words literally probably if you don't if you don't care about like receiving as much information as possible from like something you know if you care more about that maybe you're in the business of breaking down a word understanding all of its characteristics that you use to better organize the idea itself because it's like the idea is more important than the word. A word is just a point of reference for an idea. It's just like it's like representational of uh, something that's much grander in scope, but something that you wouldn't, something that you can't comprehend. You know, you can't comprehend infinite. So we we comprehend finiteness because that's in, that's what our whole language is. Our language is done in finiteness, and all the practical, like a table and then chair and uh tv everything around you is just like finite you only describe finite things when you talk like that's what you've practiced your entire life that's all you speak in which is why quantum mechanics is like uh trying to figure out quantum mechanics is like trying to figure out an infinite space and we don't have language for it and so it's like incomprehensible to us but it's just that we've only stumbled upon that recently and we're trying to develop language for it and we're really bad at it because infinite space language like in a quantum mechanical sense is way is is totally opposite it's like lack of pattern in comparison to uh pattern language but like pattern language language that's derivative of us explaining physical objects around us like that is patterned but obviously we would comprehend in terms of patterns before we were able to comprehend in terms of lack of patterns but comprehending in terms of lack of patterns is like comprehending in infinity or just coming up with words for infinite instances if that's a possibility but like if it is a possibility there people are scientists are putting energy forward to figure out defining infinity in like quantum physics or quantum computing but uh, more so quantum computing like quantum physics is so abstract for the reasons i just said that scientifically like academic science doesn't give it a lot of play or doesn't acknowledge it because it has because it deals with creativity really if you're trying to describe uh, speaking about an infinite space you can go about it in so many different ways that it's dependent on just like uh it's dependent on biases like it's dependent on creativity it's dependent on guesses like uh it's it's just a creative thing that you're doing trying to lay out the rules for quantum physics there aren't rules because it's like a lack of pattern space but there's a way uh there's a way of defining it in my opinion you just gotta there's a way of defining infinity really um and i'll get to i gotta do a different episode in the future where i'm like uh i want to explain that there's like infinity 
you know how I get, obviously. Like, I gotta explain um, Infinity, but I'm just gonna do a subjective, objective episode, and I'm gonna explain more about Infinity versus Finiteness, in case you didn't hear enough of it already. And uh, there's more. There's more on the way. Wait till you hear whatever else. And and so your subconscious, let me get to the point. Let me get to the point that I'm making. I'm talking a lot about language and your comprehension of it. Uh, so it's like your subconscious is a structure in place in your mind that describes things in terms of their representation. But if you were to order things by their representational existences, it would be like uh, it'd be really convoluted. Like you wouldn't be able to order that the same way in reality is sort of what I'm saying. But you're... Um, so you receive a word and you break it down to its characteristics. You use those characteristics for yourself, for your mental state, to aid your mental state. Like you can learn more from words and that can help you with your anxiety, you know, because knowledge is power or whatever. But like anxiety in a lot of cases is like, it's just something you can't put into words. And so you might be able to, like, you might be able to get counseling, you know, and receive some important statements from somebody like a counselor who's, uh, knows how to do that, knows how to tell you the right things. Like you can receive information that's exactly what you needed and um, like your ability to receive that information and then apply it is dependent on you breaking down the borders of the words of the like the statements that you receive from somebody so that you like um, you can help yourself out by knowing more but like becoming wiser so that you are above your whatever was making you anxious before, you know. And uh, the, so you can help yourself out by doing that the same way you help your body out by dissolving foods and taking different nutrients away. And like uh, it helps to eat a variety of things so that you get uh, resources from like a squash or a sweet potato that you wouldn't have gotten because a sweet potato presents a specific set of like it's a specific um Probably. I mean, it's a specific plant that gives you certain vitamins. So it has a set of vitamins you're not going to get with anything else besides a sweet potato. So it helps you eat a variety of things. The same way it helps to receive a variety of messages, um, as long as you're open to receiving them. And uh, like receive, as long as you're open to receiving them, it's just that with words, you're more left to your own devices to figure out what's false and what's true about it. Whereas with food, we know what's poisonous and what isn't, you know, so that's a little bit different. With with food, you know that like you can eat a sweet potato and it's not, and it'll be probably good for you. Like all we've, we've uh, reduced it to as a people, as humanity, we've reduced it to that. Like, well, vegetables, anything that's a vegetable is good for you. And you do that with certain categories of language that you hear, you can reduce it to like, well, everything from this person is good for me, you know, or everything from this body or this belief is like good or whatever. And, um, so you need a variety of messages like and and so what what results is a mental state for you that is um cumulative of all of the ideas that you've heard and so you have to watch out for you have to make sure that you filter out the things that are bad because ideas can poison you and can be diseases for your mind the same way that you can receive diseases in your body and like like ideas can poison you you know you can live under and societies can live under the weight of an idea for hundreds of years besides that an individual can live 
um, as captive to an idea. Like you can, you can live as captive to any idea. I'm probably living as captive to like hundreds of them, you know, right now. But it's like when I'm saying that, oh, like cool, like maybe I don't want to be cool. That's like you, that's you being not captive to an idea. But there's probably just endless of that. Uh, and, but there's endless of that because the whole society is is living as captive to certain ideas that it holds in a in superstitious regard, you know, that it's like afraid of um, things that it can't overcome. There's all kinds of ideas like that for a whole society, for a whole world. And like the age of enlightenment is an example of a time period, an era in humanity where we overcame a number of ideas, like we became enlightened so that we got it we became above them and then had a relatively less superstitious way of dealing with the world around us because we became enlightened but like that can happen to a society you can become enlightened it's just that but with the with it being the information age you see enlightening happening at a rapid pace uh like the acknowledgement the flow of like, uh, like because because you have the ability to receive so many different messages that you wouldn't have been able to receive before, and and so, man, there's just like a lot. I could really talk about this for a long time. I guess I'm talking about your I'm talking about your subconscious more, as long as that's a th- that's a theme. But like in your subconscious is um. Like uh. subconsciously subconsciously we acknowledge things and then they don't um they might not present themselves fully to you until way later you know you just like see things and you can do that with an idea like something that's important to you you can feel like you understand the extent of it but like more of the idea comes out to you so that you realize like the importance of it to you you can just like realize the importance of something more and more over time like if it presents itself to you more and um that's something that that's like you recognizing an idea that you're captive to from your subconscious is like you converting something subconscious into something conscious for you you can convert your subconscious into your consciousness like uh, meaning that you can reveal to yourself the importance of an idea like and it's kind of like as long as it exists in your subconscious if you're not recognizing an idea like something that's a hindrance to you if you're not recognizing it consciously then it kind of exists in your subconscious until you do recognize it consciously but your conscious recognition of it is like you being able to explain it to yourself in words so that you realize the truth of it you already know that it's true because because its relevance and importance to you is so overwhelming that it's like yeah i know i feel this way about it now like you can do that sometimes Um, so if you have a change in your mindset or a change in your opinion about like an idea like that, that's kind of, you convert it from your subconscious to your consciousness. And if that's the case, if there's these ideas that are waiting around in your subconscious, like if you put it that way, then you would, you would say that it's just time delivers them into your consciousness. Eventually it's just like, uh, time eventually brings them to the forefront for you so that i mean you just see enough things about it like for some things it's inevitable that you would have a change of opinion 
and you're just waiting to recognize the full magnitude of it for you yourself. I'm sorry about that. It's kind of difficult to explain. Um, but my example for what I'm explaining is like when my episode talking about special and then like recognizing that and me recognizing like being cool or trying to be cool. Like those are my examples for what I'm talking about. And uh, that's like a conversion of subconscious to conscious. Because before you acknowledge the importance of an idea to you, to yourself, you're kind of oblivious to it. Um, or you're just overlooking it. But it's not like it's ignorance that you overlook it. It's just there's plenty of things that are in your subconscious probably that you can consciously recognize. And then uh, like when you consciously recognize an idea or speak about it in reality, then it kind of diminishes the power of it so that it's not like something that's giving you anxiety and something that you can't explain the point that you can explain things you don't have to be subject to those things anymore and um like uh i just keep talking i just keep talking your subconscious i wanted to make a ending point about subconsciousness okay so i i was gonna try to figure out what yes so i wanted to figure out uh I mentioned I was going to do the, going to figure out what's the opposite of representation. So I don't know what it is. I'm just going to talk it out. And that's the end of this. That's the ending of this podcast. Um, so the opposite of representation would be like unrepresentation. So what is, what is unrepresentation? Not representation? Unrepresentation. If you unrepresent yourself, what does that mean? I unrepresent. It's got to be something like a point as opposed to an in, an infinity. Like you, I unrepresent. Represent. I un, unrepresent. Unrepresent is kind of like um, you getting rid of. What would you getting rid of? What would uh, what you're representing? Because what you represent is entirely what you represent. Like you can't, you can't escape from your representation, like what you represent. And it's different to different people, what you represent. But, uh, but the collection of all cognizant thing, all cognizant perception, all perceptions that people around the world have gathered of you, the collection of all possible perceptions of you is your representation so like you couldn't really you can't unrepresent because you it's already true of you it's like collective of too many judgments across too many people for you to have a say in your own representation so like unrepresentation i should have just done a different episode called unrepresentation I'll do that next because I'm already an hour, 15 minutes in. I'll do an unrepresentation or maybe. Thanks for listening. Get your, I need to, I need to, um, I really need to pick up the slack on my social media, my social media presence for this podcast, like uh, make t-shirts or something or uh, be, I need to be more active on Instagram. I just need to actually, and, and so I need to make clips out of the things I say and, Hopefully I will exert more effort in that direction in the future, but thank you for listening and make sure that you make sure that you have a good night tonight and, uh, and talk to you later.